everyone. Welcome to the Shelburne's Podcast for the week of February 25th. This is episode number 133, and of course, Shelf Games is your lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your, I mean, I'm your John, your host. I'm your host, John. <laughs> I'm your John. <laughs> I'm your John. <laughs> and joining me this week is your Megan, uh, Steel Series copy manager, and probably the most uh, maniacal techies player in all of Dota 2. How you doing, Megan? Hey. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you back on the show. How, how have things been? Oh, it's been crazy. I feel like I don't even remember the last time I was on, dude, but mm-hmm. it was not triple digit episode numbers. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a bit of a, a trip. And, and again, apologies to, to everyone listening at home. I have, you know, the show isn't coming out as regularly as as it has in the past because I'm trying to graduate university and work on some other uh, pretty substantial side projects. One of those smaller side projects, though, uh, was writing uh, some some fun stuff for, for Megan over at the Steel Series blog. Oh hell yeah! Wrote about wrote about how how to, how to best implement sound tricks in Rainbow Six Siege, um, just in time for the uh, Six Invitational, which is like their big year long or year end tournament. Um, so yeah, that, that was fun working with you. I, I like I always enjoy having you as an editor, Megan, because <laughs> like you don't mince words and you're just like. Listen, I get that you did this work, but now you just like redo it. <laughs> Come on, no, like this this one I hardly had to touch. I yeah, feel like that's you true. learned. This one I was like, here, change a couple of words, we're good to go. Like, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing like when I first started writing for you and Steel Series, like back when I was writing some primers for like the Dota International, mm-hmm. it was kinda like the big thing was really like learning the voice of the outlet and learning uh, I guess like the proper format and style was, was kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, I do feel like maybe the Steel Series blog is a little more specific in the way that it you need to write for it. Just because like if you write a full paragraph, it looks like just absolute shit on mm-hmm. our blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm always hounding people. I'm like, I need more pictures. Yeah, cut these <laughs> paragraphs in half. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Give me gifs. <laughs> give me headings. Give me gifs. Like, <laughs> you know, because nobody wants to read a wall of text. At least yeah, I don't want sure. to. Uh, but anyways, folks can check out that piece over at the Steel Series blog, um, and that is called uh, Sound Tricks in Rainbow Six Siege uh, by yours truly. Uh, but Megan, what, what else has been going on with you? Has it just been like head down working on Steel Series stuff? Because now you're the um, copy manager uh, yeah, for Steel yeah. Series. Yeah, so my job has evolved quite a bit. Um, I'm doing a lot more kind of writing and editing now, which I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's been a crazy, hectic, but mostly good time like i feel like i'm i'm finally moving in a direction that i feel confident about and Mm -hmm. um because you know previously i was just doing a lot of general marketing like here you send out newsletters and you run promotions and sales and contests and stuff which is really fun and i did enjoy a lot of that but you know i i do have a bit of a strength for writing and editing it's something that i wanted to move towards so i'm really happy to finally be kind of going in that direction Nice, nice. Um, so aside from that, have you been up to much? You still doing the music stuff on the side? You know what? Not as much. Like, I'll dick around. I was recording, like, Sea of Thieves music <laughs> on my trumpet <laughs> the other day. Um, but I actually haven't had too much time to, like, go to orchestra, which I feel super bad about. Um, uh, so not as happens. much music. But we get busy. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? What have you been up to? Oh man, just like like I said, just been doing so much stuff for university. I 
this last week was reading break, and I think every Wait. day. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> reading break is happens in like or reading week. I don't know what we call it in the states, but like it happens usually sometime in February, so that like people can catch up on on work and whatever. Um, what? We super yeah. don't have anything like that. I, I could swear that you folks do. But, like, really, the the thing is, is, like, yo, people get stressed out and depressed in February, and we mm. we, we, we kind of don't want that many suicides, so let's oh, give everyone no. a bit of a break. It's just yeah. a vacation. Is it, like, a vacation? <laughs> it's just, like, mental health. S- sort of. But vacation, you, but catch like, up on your work. Yeah, theoretically, like, people will still be assigning you things during that break. Um, okay. So, so I definitely had, like, large pieces of writing that I had to do, um, you know, a, a number of assignments that I had to catch up on. So, like, every day this week, I was, like, you know, banging out another big piece of writing. Um, so you're getting assignments, but, like, you don't have to go to class? Like, what's yeah, different? Yeah, basically, that's oh, okay. it. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I need that, like, once a month, dude. <laughs> Actually, the, like, there, there are more... Uh, institutions in Canada specifically that are talking about doing it in the fall as well. Because um, mm-hmm. again, you kind of need like that buffer somewhere around exam time or before you yep. know, midterms where you kind of need that, that, uh, that break to sort of catch up on everything and, and uh, yeah, mentally refresh. Work. Yeah. Right. yeah That's exactly. pretty cool. Not have to like get up at the crack of dawn or rush off to class. <laughs> yeah, huh. exactly. That's cool. Um, but um, anyways, Megan, I think we should probably talk about the games that we've been playing, the stuff that we've been taking off the shelf, because there's a lot to catch up on. Because actually, now that I think about it, this is like the first regular episode since before the winter break, because Holy we shit. did we did like our game of the year episode. And mm-hmm. then I sort of announced that like, hey, I'm working on a lot of stuff, so we're not going to do this regularly. And I think the last episode was like the stuff that we're looking forward to this year. So... Yeah, this is the first real episode <laughs> where we can just talk about the shit that we're playing and talk about the news. Um, so, Megan, tell me what have you been playing uh, lately? Oh, not not a ton of any one thing, but a little of a, of a good handful of things. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, I've been trying to play Anthem, uh-huh. and it's I like it. Okay. I don't love it. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I have very high hopes for the improvements that are coming, for the additional content that should all be free that's coming. So I'm very reluctantly having fun with Anthem. It's it's funny because that seems to be the overwhelming sort of consensus from a lot of other, you know, critics and influencers and just people who are who are checking out the game is just like, okay, there there's an interesting base here. Yeah, but it's exactly. definitely not as polished as it should be or, yeah, you know, like this might be something interesting six months from now, a year from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's, there's some disappointment because a lot of people were going into this expecting like, oh, awesome Bioware storytelling and characters right. and character development and relationships mixed with um, – the the sort of core fundamentals of a something like a destiny right so right. so what what have you been finding when when you've been playing it well what's interesting about that is it's almost like they kind of tried to do some of both and it almost is what hurt them mm-hmm. is you know you go in and for me you know how i play games it's a very social experience i want to hop in with my friends and blow stuff up and have fun but the problem is you get then interrupted because it's like oh now we got to sit through like talk walking around town slowly and talking to people and just like rapid trying to skip through all of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of frustrating because on one hand I, it's clearly there's some good story. There's some 
really cool character information there but you're like but i just i gotta get through this like i'm my friends are waiting for me so it's this weird like they tried to do both which i can appreciate but it's yeah it's done in a little bit of a clunky way where you they're both kind of failing because they tried to do both you know right yeah and it's it's really interesting because um I, I, we can get into this because we'll, we'll actually maybe I'll just bring it up right now. But uh, Apex Legends announced that it hit 25 million players after just one week. So that was sort of a surprise battle royale release from Respawn, the folks that did the Titanfall games. Um, and, uh, you know, just out, out of the blue, EA published this Respawn game, this this battle royale, uh, which actually didn't really leak until the week before. And it came out as this like very hyper polished uh, really well received battle royale game, um, mm-hmm. and and I was looking at the the Twitch numbers um, just before we started, and I think you know uh, Apex had like over a hundred fifty thousand viewers, and Anthem only had like fifty thousand viewers. Right. Um. So so it's 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 this stark contrast between these two, obviously two very different games from different studios, but both published by EA. One come kind of coming out that was like really hyped for like the last year and a bit. Right, like I was super right. excited for Anthem when they first announced it. I was just like, yes, Bioware fucking awesome. Like Iron Man mechs. That is like mm-hmm. my shit. Um, and then it kind of c- comes out and it's got this like really rocky reception, you know, definitely not as polished as it should be. I hear like load times are pretty terrible. Yep. Like you get yep. weird pop in and stuff. And like, it's just not where it should be. Whereas Apex just like drops, obviously re- responded putting a lot of work into it. And it's and just it's like, polished. This, and it's, it's super polished and it's this massive yeah. hit. And they've mm-hmm. got like a very, um, uh, you know, they've been talking to the community about like, here's our roadmap. Here's what we're going to be laying out. It might right. not necessarily be as like, um, as frequent as something like Fortnite, uh, where you're getting something every week or every few days, but they, they have that there. Right. And like right. Bioware is trying to do that, but they're, they're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've got stuff coming. This is what we're trying to fix and what we're trying to do. But like, if if when when a player hops in and it's just like not great at at, yeah. at first, like like has that has that soured your experience or are you kind of like oh maybe I'll come back and check in on this later? It yeah it's there has been a couple of rough nights of Anthem. I had one where I got so mad at the game I then didn't play it for several days. Like I was just so oh, angry wow. because I I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a huge difference between having a polished game that then they say hey this is what we're going to continue to do and improve and add and having a game that really slows you down and frustrates you. Like and then to hear, but we're making all these fixes. We'll be adding all these things. It's like it's hard to be too optimistic when the you know the current day situation is like, oh my god, I'm sitting through a crazy load screen. I just crashed out again. My sound just cut out. Like there's only so much hope you can you can try to have. And mm-hmm. I'm really trying to keep it alive. But it's like, man, that one I had that one sour night where I was like. Basically, I could not play with my friends until I finished this one mission that it it was like because of the class that I'm playing, it was like, oh, you need to kill eight units in 10 seconds or something. I needed an eight combo in 10 seconds, and I play a single target DPS class. Right. It's like it was not only was it just hard to do, I literally had my friend running around like just gathering units for me, which was a mess in itself. They weren't really gathering and, like, we couldn't even find eight units for me to kill. And even when we did, most of the time, like, it didn't... We didn't know if it was registering. It wouldn't register the kills. Just, it took hours to do this thing. And it's like, well, you know, thank you for wasting my, my evening, Anthem, mm-hmm. like, with this poorly balanced 
required quest, you know, that literally has now prevented me from playing this game with my friends. So there's stuff like that that really needs to get worked out fast before I could confidently, you know, tell other people to play this game. Yeah. But you're right. Like, the baseline is there. Like, flying around, being Iron Man, blowing stuff up, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that's absolutely the big redeeming factor. So I'm just... Maybe I just need to take a break, you know, take a couple months off of Anthem, wait for it to uh, make some improvements. Yeah, it's it's strange because I think the the other side of that is, you know, I think about stuff like Destiny 2, which I tried a little bit of, or like Warframe, which we were kind of talking a bit about before we started recording. But like, I think the, the biggest thing that turns me off to those types of games is the the very like MMO nature that has been like, pulled kicking and screaming out of the early 2000s and like plugged into these modern games like huh. i understand I, like i understand that like destiny 2 has gotten to a point where they have really smoothed out all the rough edges of that like the the fetch quest or like the go here and kill this many of of x quest right, right? and then right. M- b- collect these orbs and then bring them over here and then do that again until you get the drop that you want and I kind of like tired out on that type of structure in the early two mm-hmm. thousands when I was playing a lot of those MMOs. So I think now for me, when, when a game asks me to do that type of thing, I'm like, okay, but why? I'm like, right. oh, I'm just seeing numbers go up, but like, am, am I getting better at the game? Maybe, right. sort of, not really. I don't know. Um, and and I don't know. It just kind of feels a little bit hollow. And like. If there was enough around there that the trappings were cool enough, then then I could see myself getting on that treadmill. Like with something like Destiny 2, um, you know, Bungie, they know how to make good shooting video games. You know, like mm-hmm. the shooting is always fucking good in Destiny. Um, so you can have a lot of fun there. But with something like Anthem, you know, again, I'm hearing so many mixed things about like, well, the combat is good it's fine. You know, the story is there and I'm like, okay, (laughs) but like, you're just not giving me enough to, to entice me to go and jump on your specific treadmill, you know? Right. Right. There's one great thing. Flying feels amazing right now. And yeah, everything else is like, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's not enough. Like I wouldn't (laughs) in good confidence recommend that anybody pick up this game right now oh, and that's that's the other thing right again we sort of mentioned this but but i want to bring up now is is the the price tag right it's like a full price triple a yeah. game and yeah mm-hmm. sure like future content might be might be free or they might not necessarily be asking you to pay for a season pass like sure there's microtransactions for you know uh, cosmetic stuff or for resources whatever uh, but something like warframe is totally free right Right. So Warframe, you know, it lacks any and all polish, and they are fully aware of that and totally lean into it. They're like, you want to fly around on a skateboard? You fly around on a skateboard. Go nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no polish. You'll just, like, and, like, there's weird bugs everywhere. Like, you'll just see people float off into oblivion. Like, but it's a free game. It's fun. And I would actually recommend Warframe to anyone who maybe is feeling hesitant about Anthem, who kind of wants that style of gameplay, but then doesn't want to drop 60 dollars or 15 dollars a month just give warframe a try like i played it for a couple of weeks there and really enjoyed it yeah. um i think the only reason i didn't really stick with it is just because not a lot of other people were playing it and it's yeah it's more fun to play with people that that was the thing for me as well i kind of wish we'd started playing that at the same time because mm-hmm. i remember being like okay there's some cool stuff here the progression is fine like yes it is a very similar treadmill to like destiny or or an mmo but 
it's often fast enough and yep. uh, you move through levels quick enough that it doesn't really matter. Um, yep. What I found is just like it was so complex. Like the, you, yes, the tutorial is better than maybe what it was a few years ago, but like that game has been uh, refreshed so many times or like reinvented so many times mm. that they've kind of like built it on the skeleton of the skeleton of the skeleton of what it used to be. <laughs> um, a master to this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so like there, there are uh, so many like interconnecting systems that are really complex and I'm just like, okay, huh. I think I know what this system does, but, I, but I don't know how it interacts <laughs> with this other system. And like, uh, yeah, it, I found like progression in that game to be somewhat overwhelming. And, and again, if you don't have someone there who maybe has more experience kind of holding your right. hand and being like, Hey, this is how you should start for the first little bit. And, th- and this is where you're, you're going to get. Um, also, I was a little bit disappointed because I think like I kept hearing that like, Oh, the, the really, really good story stuff is when you get to this point, which is like mm. I don't know, 50, 60, a hundred hours in or something. Um, and that's also a tough ask. Right. But for a free game, very right. high marks. Right. Like right. almost the highest marks you could get, I think, out of a free mm-hmm. game. Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe let's uh chat about some other stuff that we're playing. Maybe let's just like rapid fire some of these things. Cause I've been playing a ton of stuff over the, the, the last couple of months. Just I've been like Megan, I've been searching for like that perfect like chill out <laughs> game, you know? <laughs> like the one where I can just like lean back in my chair and just kinda like, yeah, I'm gonna zone out and, and then and then go to bed and, mm. and not be like all high strung by the end of the evening. Um, so I was dabbling with the campaigns for Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, and Battlefield 1, because those were both, like, on sale for, like, I don't know, five or six dollars or something at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield 1 is interesting. They, they kind of tell these, like, World War One stories and these little vignettes, that, you know, over the top and action-y, but, but still kind of interesting, especially, you know, they, they tell these stories from, like, different parts of the, the, the conflict in the world that you don't necessarily always see. Uh, so that was kind of fun. Star Wars Battlefront 2, I think, was a huge missed opportunity. Um, I didn't mess with the multiplayer, but I, but yeah, playing through the campaign, I was just like, okay, there's kind of an interesting story here, but you could feel like the corporate hand, uh, you know, kind of directing a lot of the stuff that happened there because they, they tell this, this kind of cool story of like, oh, here are these Imperial commandos and like, um, you know, they're, they're going up against the rebels and eventually, Spoilers, um, shit happens and then, and they join the alliance. Um, but, but that switch happens way too fast. Um, mm. and then also intercut with all this stuff where you're exploring these characters and their journey. It's just like, oh yeah, but y'all remember Han Solo? Let's do a mission <laughs> with Han Solo. <laughs> hey, remember Luke Skywalker? Here's him swinging a lightsaber. And I'm just like, okay, but like the shit with the other like characters that I don't know is far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, I was talking to a developer about this, but they were saying like, oh, I can't remember the, the, the term they use, something like breadcrumb trail or something. But like, there's an actual developer term for like when you show a player the high level cool stuff so that they have something to work towards unlocking. Oh, yeah. Like the beginning of, uh, I think Mega Man X kind of does mm-hmm, that or mm-hmm, whatever. Yeah. They show you zero at the beginning and you're like, yeah, exactly. oh, like I want that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just like, oh, here's this hero character in this level that you play, you play in the campaign so you know what you're working towards in multiplayer. Okay, um, yeah. And that, that stuff felt so forced and like really derailed a lot of the that uh, campaign. Okay. Um, like they did it poorly. Yeah. I think you can do that really well. Yeah. Anyways, so played those games. Uh, they were fine. Um, also been messing with Assassin's Creed Origins a little bit. I think I men- mentioned that on the last show. That's kind of fun. Uh, I play it in little 
little spurts here and there. Um, you know, do a quick mission, do a little bit of exploring and then kind of go about my day. I'll probably have more thoughts on that, um, in the coming months. Um, what about you, Megan? Are, are there any like games that you've just been kind of dipping your toes in? Dude, I can't believe you're looking for like a relax and go to bed game and you have not played auto chess. Like what, what's going on <laughs> with you? Like it is the ultimate kill 20 30 minutes and go to bed game so so can you explain to the folks at home who haven't heard of dota auto chess okay first of all if you haven't heard of auto chess gatekeeping you're not a real gamer okay <laughs> <laughs> um, wow no, so dota auto chess is like i don't even know how to correctly describe it but it literally to me is what i wanted artifact to be and it's just a free like user created game within dota so it's entirely free you know dota is free to download auto chess is a free user created map within dota it's you basically buy units you put them on a board and they wail on each other okay and it's it sounds very stupid and it's a super simple concept you know if you buy three of the same unit they will combine into a bigger version of that unit if you have multiple kinds of like, oh, you have three mages, then they get a special mage bonus if they're all out on the board. Uh, it's very simple concept, and it sounds really stupid when I describe it like this, but it's strangely addictive. Like you play one game and you just you get that itch. You're like, I got, mm-hmm. I got to play another one. Like, <laughs> but but it's interesting because because it is a mod within the Dota client. It's like it it uses models and characters from from the game right and then they quite literally are set out on this like chessboard right mm-hmm. yeah and they literally it's like here put your chess pieces out okay you know in five seconds the round begins and then your pieces fight someone else's pieces there's like nine players eight players per game okay and you just idly fight each other and then one person wins the more wins you get the more gold you get you can kind of pull ahead Um, You can, like, level yourself up so you find more rare chess pieces in your shop. Mm -hmm. So, really, to me, it was like, I played one game of Artifact, I was like, I hate this game, and I never want to play it again. (laughs) I played one game of Auto Chess, and I was like, I'm going to play a lot more of this game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Can can you, like, position your pieces, or, like, can you move them once they're positioned? Yeah, so you can move them around on your side of the chessboard. Um, I guess calling it chess is a little deceiving. Like, it happens on a chessboard, but there is no, like, oh, this unit can only move in this way, like okay. a, like in chess. Um, it's just that they happen to fight on a chessboard battlefield. Obviously, you know, you want to maybe protect your, your DPSers, your squishies. You kind of keep them behind your frontliners. And, of course, like, bounty hunters and queen of pains and so forth will, like, jump behind your army. So there's some level of positioning and strategy, although I don't actually think it's a huge part of the game. Okay, well, I might have to check that out in amongst, you know, the all, all the free time I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you were talking shit about Artifact, and I just want to defend Artifact for, like, <laughs> oh, half a minute here. Um, so, like, I think Valve bungled its launch and, and and less its launch and more its messaging at launch, um, because Artifact at its core I find to be a very very good card game. Like it is challenging, you know, in a way, uh, aside you know outside of stuff like Hearthstone or Magic, that is unique and refreshing. It like has this whole new take on on the the card game genre um, that I thought was really really good. I feel bad about what's happened to that game in that like its community has like almost completely evaporated. Um, mm. I, th- I, I, I try not to look at the subreddit because it's just so, I don't want to say toxic, but I think like 
there there was a lot of like misinformation on the subreddit of like uh you know um progression and like uh, purchasing cards and things like that i think the model that they set of like hey you can just buy cards in artifact and like the the market will dictate how much those cost to me as someone who played a lot of paper card games that made sense because like i was the type Mm -hmm. of person who would literally walk into a store and be like this is the deck i want to build i will buy singles of these cards until i've I've built it right right sure um and so i think i was just kind of used to that idea so so i i guess in like a digital space in like a free-to-play card game space that that was kind of received poorly so i think if they had messaged that a little bit better it would have been better received and also their first big patch introduced a lot of the stuff that people were complaining about it introduced like uh account progression it introduced um Mm. free free to play rewards for like playing and winning so it's just like oh you you get your weeklies you get your dailies so you win x number of times boom you got you got a free pack so like all that stuff was introduced in a matter of weeks but i think it should have been there at launch because if because it wasn't there there was such a, a a negative reception to what artifact was when it first came out that that just kind of kept building and that was just the the narrative throughout that game's um initial months and and i find that really frustrating because i like that game (laughs) but like i I haven't played it really since uh maybe maybe after um christmas or something because because like i'm just like okay there's there's not a lot of support there from valve anymore it seems like like I, I I don't know. Maybe there's a, there's a whole contingent at Valve that are still like furiously working on the next updates for this game, but like they're not communicating that, and so that's kind of frustrating. And that's why I've been playing a lot of Magic: The Gathering Arena. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and goddamn, I'm back on my Magic bullshit. I oh my god, I've told this story before, but I quit that game cold turkey when I was playing like the paper version because I was spending thousands of dollars a year on Dude. that game yeah are you serious uh, i oh like God. i had a really good job at the time okay <laughs> but now now i'm a poor university student so i'm just kind of grinding on that free-to-play treadmill and it's okay um you can make like a deck that's that's decent but you can't make like a top tier competitive deck just doing free-to-play uh which i find a little bit frustrating but um i haven't sunk more than 25 dollars into the game and i've oh I've, my gosh I've, I've probably put like you know a couple hundred hours in just doing matches you know every every few days so um i'll probably have more to say about magic in the coming weeks i think the what they're doing with arena is fun and exciting even though it's technically still in beta um but it is it's funny because like the polish on artifact is better than magic right now yeah but absolutely but there are significantly more pl- people playing magic, streaming magic, uh, putting money into that scene. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird, it's a weird time to be a card game fan. Um, but, uh, poor artifact. Dear, dear Volvo, fix artifacts. Um, well, they don't, they don't need to fix it. They just need to like support it better, I think. Mm, um, mm-hmm. at least talk about the fucking game, please. <sighs> yeah. I always feel like artifact was ruined before it came out. I mean, <laughs> Just mm. the whole, all of it, like the the announcement at TI. Yeah. I think you were there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I played in like the early, whatever the week early thing was yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. got into, and it was weak, man. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever had a chance after launch. I think I think Valve should not have pitched this game to Dota players. I think yeah, that was yeah, a huge was mistake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyways, even all the, uh, the, the card game influencers and streamers and YouTubers that they got to like play it for the first couple of weeks, all right. of them have moved on with their lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Megan, anything else that you, that you want to talk about stuff that you've been playing before we, we get into the show? Um, you know, just a little bit of this and that. I played some of the new Diablo season. I tried out the old, uh, Division 2 beta for like a solid hour before yeah. I realized that it felt exactly like Division 1 and I okay. didn't know why I was playing the beta. But, but, but speaking of like loot shooters, um, <laughs> like, cause yeah, we've been talking, having this big conversation about like, you know, Destiny and Anthem and Warframe. Like, how does the division sort of stack up to those games? It's totally different. Like, I know it's kind of the same, but something about it, I think because it's just a little slower paced, every time I'm playing The Division, I actually feel like I'm playing XCOM, but I just happen to have to aim. Like, it's <laughs> it's very strange, but I literally, because all you're doing is running from cover to cover, ducking behind cover, you pop out, you shoot the enemy, you pop back down into cover. It literally feels like I'm playing XCOM, but I just also have to aim my shots instead of, you know, you have a 3% chance of hitting. Interesting. Um, it's, I honestly, like, I really liked Division 1's entire campaign. Um, I can't speak to the end game because I stopped playing at end game, mm -hmm. but the, the process of going through the entire campaign was great, and I'm absolutely going to do that for Division 2 which to me looks and plays just like Division 1, so it's just kind of like an expansion in my mind. Yeah. So absolutely going to play the campaign, but not for me. Like I'm not going to be buying it at launch. I'm going to wait until okay. it's maybe half price on sale. It's a great game to sit down with some friends and just play through. Um, speaking of sitting down with friends and playing through games, I feel, uh, or you were telling me that you uh, played through the Overcooked 2 DLC. Hell yeah. I remember when that was announced, you were like, so excited <laughs> i think i cried like actual <laughs> tears of joy when i learned that there was a hot pot dlc for that game totally free overcooked 2 you guys like if if you haven't bought just buy it it's i forgot the name of the developer but they're just amazing like they just put out these free dlcs there's more coming they're always free you just pick up the game once for like 10 20 bucks and you have an amazing couch co-op game that'll absolutely make or break friendships yeah um so that's from ghost town games um mm. but you are a bit of a hot pot aficionado so so i feel like this this <laughs> this dlc was specifically made for you it spoke to me because i love this game and then out of nowhere like i think i found out like the day that it launched that it was going to be a hot pot dlc and i literally like i was screaming i was crying it was, it was intense <laughs> awesome so yeah, that's that's the stuff that we're we're taking off the shelf and the stuff that we've been dabbling with. Um, but some games that we might be putting on the shelf, new releases coming here in the next little bit. Uh, of course, Anthem just dropped this past Friday. Uh, coming up though, Dead or Alive Six is going to be launching on March first. Devil May Cry Five is launching on March eighth. The Division Two, which Megan you were just talking about, is launching on March fifteenth. And the game that I'm probably most looking forward to uh, in the first half of this year, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, is going to be launching on March 22nd. Um, and that is, of course, a, uh, a follow-up uh, to the Dark Souls and Bloodborne franchises. Oh, that did look real. That's like the Samurai Blood Souls. Yeah, or, yeah. Yes. Oh, that did look cool. Yeah, I'm probably going to play a heck load of that game um maybe, maybe not right at launch but like maybe when i find some time after gr graduating or whatever <laughs> <laughs> um all right megan let's get into the, some of the news that uh we've we've missed out on here in, in the last couple of weeks um 
First up, I thought we'd start with some some nice news. Some some Aww. before before we get into all the the depressing news. Um Aww. <laughs> uh, so there's a new collection of sort of small games, independent games, uh, experimental games, uh, called Meditations. Um, and this was, uh, sort of put together by, uh, Rami Ishmael and a number of developers who are going to be working with him. Um, and basically what they're going to be doing is dropping a, a new game every day for the entire year. So 365 games, um, and, you know, so they say that, you know, each, each game is, and each project is going to be different. Some are going to be short. Some are going to be complicated. Uh, you know, some might be a little bit lighthearted. Some will be sort of sad or reflective. Um, but I thought it was kind of a really cool project. Uh, this whole meditations thing where it's like, Hey, every new day, there's just gonna be a, a, a new cool independent thing from, from a different developer. Um, I don't know. What would, what, what did you think about that news? Do you think that'd be something you might kind of dip in and, and check out? Uh, I have a lot of hesitation about that. Uh, first of all, is it is it free? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I. Right. We'll offer one small free game every day. Yeah, that's that's cool. And for some reason, I had it in my head that it would be like for fifteen dollars, you get a new <laughs> game every day. Um. Yeah. Um. It's it's kind of hard to know what to think because at least in this article there's no like just show me a preview give me like one example of one of these games um, and definitely after the the cost angle the second thing I thought of was definitely what if I really like the game right well, what if I'd like to play it tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's just like a catalog so you can kind of go back and see what they've already posted so like. Is it possible for you to then go get one of the games from the past? You know, are they like, could you pick it up on whatever store? Could you download it? I don't it? know. I'm not entirely that's, sure how that works. Yeah. yeah, the article I don't think really addresses that. So that's kind of my second thought is, okay, well, what if I find one I really like and mm -hmm. I like to keep that game? Um, um, yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. I don't know if, it, if like some of those things would be published other other places or if they're just kind of all collected in this little bundle thing. Right. So it sounds cool. Um, hearing this free takes away a lot of hesitation. So yeah. I just have questions. Uh, I guess getting into kind of sad, but like, this is our transition piece. This is our like kind of happy, but kind of sad news before we get into the really sad stuff. Um, but, uh, Nintendo of America president Reggie Fizeme is going to be retiring. Um, so Reggie Fizeme has probably been the face of Nintendo America for, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, lots of memes about this guy, you know, the, the whole, my body is ready, um, you know, I think when he first, uh, hit the stage at E3 in 2004, he said, my name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. I'm about taking names and we're about making games. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Reggie has really been the face of Nintendo for a very, very long time, at least here in, in, uh, North America. Um, and he is going to be relinquishing control to Doug Bowser. Uh, oh my god! Who uh, definitely did not change their name for this position, and it's funny because they're kind of leaning into the fact that, like, oh hey, we're giving Nintendo to Bowser. Right. Um, so I think that that's been kind of kind of fun and, and exciting. Um, I don't know. Did you have any any thoughts about Reggie Fizeme and sort of him being the face of Nintendo? I didn't realize that he was like such a uh, like like I've seen the name, I've seen that guy's face, but I didn't realize. Oh, he's been their president for fifteen years. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and it's like, I knew the body is ready guy, but I didn't realize it was him. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it happens. 15 years is a long time. What are the chances that Mr. Doug Bowser wouldn't have had that job if his name was just like Doug Brown? <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm thinking right yeah. now. 
Like, like this like, guy, who, who he was the job down to Doug was and, like, like, Ryan, and they're like, we have to give it to Bowser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the, a few years ago when, when Bowser first joined Nintendo uh, in the announcement picture, if you look at it closely, there's a, a Mario and Luigi plushie on the on the, the, the <gasps> shelf above. Have that you seen that? Picture, and, yes. and, and they're tied up with, like, a controller cord. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's it's, actually it's, Bowser. He's literally Bowser. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, um. Anyways, uh, let's talk about battle royales here for a second. Uh, we we did mention uh, Apex Legends hitting 25 million players. I think that's again quite the feat, especially considering I don't know, like like the battle royale genre seems kind of crowded you've got your PUBG, you've got your fortnite and you've got a lot of people trying to like claw their way in like you had call of duty black ops uh, i don't really hear a lot of people talking about that anymore um have you have you dabbled with apex Legends? i haven't but i'd say it's the most like i mean literally as we're recording d-day is messaging me hey have you downloaded apex yet like <laughs> uh d-day being a, a mutual friend of ours so mm. i've had a lot of i know a lot of my coworkers are playing it a lot of people are trying to get me to play it the only problem with me is you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, I'm just a little burnt out on Battle Royales. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't doubt that it's absolutely fun and I would have fun and there's polish there. But I just, in a week, I feel like I won't be playing it anymore. Right. That's my only hang up. Not that I don't think it's probably a great game. Mm hmm. Obviously, 25 million people think it's a great game. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited about anything that Respawn does. Like, I think, you know, the pedigree is there. Like, those folks were working at Infinity War doing, like, Modern Warfare, you know, the Modern Warfare, which was, mm. like, change the mm -hmm. way shooters played. Um, and I think they left after Modern Warfare 2 to form Respawn. They did the Titanfall stuff. Um, okay. So, yeah, like, the shooting is going to be good. Like, the movement yeah. stuff is going to be good. Um I, I just I I really like Titanfall too. People should go play that campaign because it's so incredible. Um, but but I just every time I like I've watched a lot of battle royale stuff and I've dabbled with a couple of them. But just every time I do, I'm just like, oh, I see why people love this. I see what the hook is, mm -hmm. but it's just not for me. You know, I'm just huh. like I I I don't think I can get invested in this. Gotcha. I mean, I I get it. Like as someone who's played at least a couple of these battle royales, like it's just it's instant action. Like you're mm -hmm. not, you just you hop in with your friends, you gather stuff, you shoot stuff. It's like it's the core. It's gaming with everything else stripped away. There is mm -hmm. no story. There is no, you know, leveling and choosing. It's just it's the core of I just want. I have got twenty minutes and I just need a game to happen. You know, I mm -hmm. need that adrenaline hit. It's like just it's like the purest form almost of gaming that we have right now, at least in terms of that fun social adrenaline kind of gaming. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day, like I used to get that with Dota and yeah. I feel bad that I haven't been playing it as much. I mean, there's a few factors there. I live on the West Coast. Most of my Dota <laughs> friends are East Coast, so it's like lining that up is tough. Um but with stuff like Rainbow Six, what I really dig about that game is yeah, you know, you might play around that's like 30 to 40 minutes, just like a Dota match, but you hit reset every three minutes. Mm -hmm. Like it, like sure you might have lost that round, but it, like boom, reset, new round, and right. and that's what I'm really digging about it. Like yeah, you might be getting stomped by the other team, but like hey, you still have a chance. Like three minutes are up, boom, rounds done, start again. And yep. I really fucking dig that. I, and I've been like trying to figure out i'm like why why does this game like hook me so much and i think that's one of the big things is that you get that 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 sort of shot of adrenaline but like even if you fuck up and you do something bad 
again, like in a battle royale, you drop someplace, you know, that you probably shouldn't have. You get wiped <laughs> by, by another squad. It's just like, okay, let's queue up again. Let's jump right again. Back in. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I agree. It's like it's a, that constant regular hits of adrenaline. So speaking of battle royales, uh, Fortnite is getting ready for its $30 million World oh Cup God. final. Uh, and this is going to be happening in July in New York City uh, from uh, July 26th Oof. to July 28th. So $30 million is going to be up for grabs, um, including $3 million to the uh, the solo champion. Um but Megan, that's that's more than Dota. That's I was just looking it up. I just was looking up the TIA prize pool. TIA yeah. was what twenty five. Yeah. Or, holy moly! That's just is that fully funded by Epic? Like yes, they're just they dropped is. thirty on it. That's yeah. crazy. Um. So so this is also stemming from 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 news that dropped a while ago. Uh, I think last year at e at e three they pledged a hundred million for Fortnite esports over this next year. Um, so 30 million is wow. going to be going to this, this world championship. And then they're going to be spreading the rest of that out, uh, to other tournaments, uh, throughout the year. Um, so Holy yeah, money. I, I mean, like, what, what do you think about that? And, and just the fact that like, oh, a Fortnite is doing as well as it is, but B Epic is, is doubling down on the esports aspect of Fortnite. Mm, I think, cause I'm, I'm really thinking of Riot a lot right here. Which is very similar situation. Riot was pulling in tons of money. You know, they built this crazy giant campus out in California. They have thousands upon thousands of employees, and they never put a ton of money. It feels like into at least into prize pools, which mm-hmm. are the real newsworthy. You know, people see these twenty-five million dollar prize pools for Dota, and they're like, "Oh, like what is this Dota thing?" Mm-hmm. League put money into a lot of other things that weren't prize pools you know league is like oh a one million dollar tournament cool yeah <laughs> you know and dota would just blow it out of the water i think fortnite is trying to take that more valve approach which is mm-hmm. you know what just drop a lot of money on a prize pool everyone's going to be talking about it it's going to be the biggest prize pool in esports history i think there's that's absolutely the reason that it's 30 million just right out the gate they're like okay what's the highest 25 ours is 30 Right. Yeah, that's it seems to me that was exactly Epic's angle, which is we're going to have the biggest esports tournament in history this year. Cuz yeah. cuz come July that's what all the headlines are going to be, right? Mhm. Yeah. And you can't uh, argue with that kind of press. Yeah, and, and you you mentioned Riot and League of Legends and that got me thinking about the Overwatch League as well. And their mm. approach is also very different in that it's just like, no, we're going to professionalize. We're going to be right. like quote unquote traditional sports like the buy-in mm-hmm. for a franchise I, I think the number going around was like something between 15 to 30 million just for a franchise in a Jeez. city and and like okay sure you you put the money down you for, you know from there it, it's it's kind of like okay sure the overwatch league is doing fine for viewership but like what are your prize pools sure your your players probably right. have like decent contracts but like are is is it sort of uh you know aside from what am i trying to get at i think aside from the folks who are on contract for whatever overwatch team um like there's very little to develop up and comers like i think they have the contenders league which is like their you know double a league or whatever you want to call it uh where you can develop some of that tournament and draw from there to the overwatch league but like there's nothing that allows uh, the underdog, right? Which is something you see a lot in Dota. And, mm-hmm. and, and also you'll see in some of these like PUBG and like Fortnite tournaments, there's like, oh, here's this relative unknown 
who has no sponsor. They're just very good. They're hungry. They train a lot and they come out of nowhere and they blow away, you know, some, some of the, the, the top seeded teams who have all the funding, all the sponsorships, you know? Um, so I worry about, you know, some of these different approaches that kind of lock out some of these more grassroots aspects of esports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think of digital chaos at TIA a couple of years back. People love those stories. They love the chance that, like, hey, by some you know grace of God, it doesn't matter if we don't have an official, uh, what is it like a franchise city team. I could still go to TI if I were good enough. Right. Yeah. You know, there's like a freedom and a visibility there to, hey, who are these, this unknown team qualified into TI because they're good. Like, yeah. I think there's really something there that maybe the Overwatch League forgot about, which is, you know. And I think that's, that's one of the really cool things of, about esports is like anyone, like there's, there's this notion that like anyone could be here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Absolutely. In, in traditional sports, you see that less because it's like, well, I can't fucking throw a football like whatever his name is that keeps winning the Super Bowl. Um, I don't watch sports. Um, or, you know, like, I, like, I, I know I don't have the physical capability to be like the next, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, but I can like, hey, if I try really hard at like Dota and like dedicate my life to it, I could maybe mm-hmm. win a lot of money. Um, and like maybe I could be the next Arteezy, right? Because like there is no like physical boundary there, right? You know, aside from being able to do a lot right. of actions per minute and maybe like think about the game in the same way that someone like Arteezy would, it, you know, it's not like, oh, I have to hit a fucking three pointer like Michael Jordan, you know, like mm-hmm. it, I think there's, there's that aspect of being like, oh, I can maybe be here. And, right. and, and like Epic, you know, it, with their, their, um, their, uh, world championship, like even every participant, no matter how far you get in that tournament in their world championship gets $50,000. Like, Jeez, so all you have to do is get to the tournament, <laughs> you and you've struck gold. And like yeah. that—that's that's like more Oof. than like the average American makes in a year. Like, fuck, oh man! God. Like yeah. that's so so wild. <laughs> um. Anyways, di- different approaches to esports. They're, they're kind of interesting to watch and, and talk about because it's I don't know. It's just this. It's this established thing now, but people are still trying to figure it out. Right. Speaking of companies trying to figure shit out and how they use information, let's talk about Facebook. Um, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so so uh, recently there were some documents that were unsealed in a court case um, that looks at some nefarious practices uh, happening at Facebook, specifically um, in, in, in the realm of gr- games and uh, microtransactions. So these documents were part of a class action lawsuit filed in uh, California, um, and they, they kind of surround a game called Ninja Saga. Um, but uh, what they found is that <laughs> Facebook had an internal memo uh, kind of talking about a practice that they called, quote unquote, friendly fraud. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, so basically, what you know, what would happen on 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 these types of you know, whether you think about mobile games or Facebook games, is like kids get the credit card of their parent or whatever or guardian, and you know they put it into this game, and then the game has systems in it that basically has you paying microtransactions in a way that you don't necessarily realize that you're you're making those transactions, right? Oh wow. Um, so we have heard all all kinds of horror stories in like mainstream press of like my kid spent a thousand dollars on Angry Bird or uh, Angry Birds and I didn't know about it. Um, they had this memo when they were talking about friendly fraud, and in it they they say friendly fraud. What is what it is? 
why it's challenging, and why you shouldn't try to block it. Oh, um, yeah, which I think is probably no. the most damning thing. And so, so aside from like, you know, kind of shitty microtransactions where, where kids were, would, would pay, pay for this stuff and their parents wouldn't necessarily know, the, the process to charge back or to get refunds would also be very, uh, vague or would have so many roadblocks on it that like you'd kind of get lost in that process. Um, right. So, so what do you think about this news coming to light about Facebook knowing about these, these practices and kind of being like, Meh. I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, are you ever <laughs> surprised by any news about Facebook ever at any time? Like, no, not at this point, no. <laughs> I 100% believe that Facebook is actively listening to... I have uninstalled the app on my phone. Mm. I still have Messenger, to be fair. And I t- fully believe that Facebook is currently listening to me. And if my phone's camera was not covered by a small sticky note, it would be staring at me as well. <laughs> like, basically, I always assume the worst possible scenario for... Facebook, and that appears to be exactly the situation here. Yeah, I mean, uh, ugh, oh I, mean, I, mean I think I, I think a lot of parents are sort of wisening up to the fact that, like, oh, I can't just let my kid play some free to play game because they might spend a thousand dollars on gems that they don't need or, or what have you. But it's still kind of gross to see that Facebook was like, yeah, this is a problem, but like, yeah, fuck it, let's just kind of like, keep know this going is with happening, it. And we're gonna make it hard for you to fix it when yeah. you realize that there's a problem. That's the grosser part there. Not that yeah. they tricked you, but then you can't like fix it that's even yeah. worse yeah i mean if, if they're Oof. making money who cares right exactly and that sucks but it's so painfully true like you just see that everywhere you know how many corners can we cut how many people can we trick yeah um and speaking of making money let's talk about activision blizzard uh Oof. because activision blizzard uh announced this uh this past week that they had a record year in 2018 they made more money than they ever have in a fiscal year. Uh, so congratulations, Activision Blizzard. Uh, but that same day, Megan, uh, they announced that they'd be uh, eliminating 8% of its staff as it restructured. Uh, because even though they made more money than they ever had, they didn't quite hit their pr- uh, projections. Um, and so Blizzard, act- or sorry, Activision Blizzard uh, employs, you know, roughly 9,600 people. So that meant um, 800 people will be losing their jobs um, a- across all of Activision Blizzard. So Activision, uh, segments of Blizzard, and segments of King, which they also own. Uh, so it sounds like a lot of people uh, who didn't necessarily work in development, but who worked in like publishing or esports uh, were, uh, were, were being laid off. Um, so this was... This is kind of big news in the industry this past week because sometimes you'll you'll hear you know about these like investors earnings calls and it's like oh we well, we didn't quite hit what we were uh, expecting and then months down the road you'll get the layoffs but this happened the exact same day and I think that's why it's kind of stuck in everyone's craw because we didn't have time to forget yeah. about it right this is yeah this is really really rocked the, the the industry and more people have been talking about unionization and about collective action. Um, I think in the wake of this, and they have in quite some time. Um, so, so what did you think about this news here, Megan? That um, yeah, Activision Blizzard just like a posted record earnings, and then B was just like, yo, we're gonna cut eight hundred people. Just, I mean, that's just they. Why? Like, why <laughs> from a PR perspective wouldn't they even wait a couple of weeks? Like, mm-hmm. just let those two pieces of news operate separately and not mm-hmm. together. So that is definitely my first thought process is Blizzard. Like, did you even think this one through? Like, what a weird decision to make. 
Um, of course it sucks. Like 800 people, you know, that's not just, oh, hey, we got to cut, a, trim a little bit of fat here. This is 800 people, you know, working for Blizzard just gone. And it sounds like a lot of them found out not from work, but they were yes. hearing about it over social media before they even knew that they were fired, which is pretty messed up. Apparently these these uh, layoffs have been rumored for a while at the at you know mm-hmm. within the organization, but like you know they they didn't necessarily know. And what, what even complicates right. this more is like there were a number of people in France uh, working for Activision and Blizzard who weren't sure who was going to because the labor laws in France are different, so they couldn't just like cut them that day. Um, so like they know people are getting cut. They know there's like 400 people who are kind of like in limbo. And they mm-hmm. just don't know who's going to get cut or when. They just know it's going to happen. So that's like, again, another shitty thing. Um, well, one thing that, that people were pointing to a lot here is just that like, you know, Bobby Kotick is one of the richest people in the fucking planet. Um, I think his, his net worth is estimated at like $9 billion. There have been a lot of comparisons between what happened with this specific uh, earnings call and layoff and what happened with Nintendo and Satoru Iwata before he passed. Um, mm. when in, I think it was 2011 when the 3DS wasn't doing well, he cut his pay in half and he did it. He did it again in 2014 when the Wii U wasn't doing well. Um, and there were another, uh, a couple other, uh, executives that did the same. And Iwata was quoted at the time as saying like, I don't want people to lose their jobs. And yep. this is, this is why I'm reducing my pay. And he, again, I think he went on to say, I'm paraphrasing at this point, but he said something along the lines of like, if people are are living in fear of the fact that they will mm-hmm. lose their jobs because we're not doing well, they're not going to produce good games. Of course, yeah. Here's the thing: there's a huge cultural difference there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In you know, Iwata, it was his personal responsibility to make sure that people had job security and fair pay, even at the cost of his own pay. There is a huge cultural difference there between a Japanese corporation and America. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. I don't even think this is in any way specific to the gaming industry, to Nintendo versus uh, Activision Blizzard. I think this is huge cultural differences. You know, it turns into a problem with, like, corporate America, which is, I think, this is what I'm seeing here. This, Mm -hmm. to me, is not gaming news. This is corporate American news. Yeah, absolutely. And it it is the type of thing that where, you know... Projects will staff up because they need that staff. They, they, mm-hmm. they generate the revenue that they need to generate. And these are all like very short term goals, right? Like Activision Blizzard right. is like, okay, our 2018 was good. It was the best we've ever had, but we thought it was going to be better. And maybe, you know, our projections were a little bit inflated. So we're going to restructure now. So 2019 is better. Right. But what about 2020? What about 2021? What about 20, you know, 22? It's, it's just like, you know, sure, you cut these people now, but like, how is it that going to affect you years down the road? It's, right. it's, well, it's we're not considering that. We're considering yeah, how do we blow the numbers out next year? Exactly. You know, it's all take as much as you can 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 get this year, and we'll deal with next year when we get there. I think that's happening in a lot of places with a lot of people right now. Exactly, like you said, this is very much emblematic of like the the way that corporate, you know, America, North America, like a lot of organizations think about business and like how do we maximize profits now with the right. least amount of resources mm-hmm. absolutely um and that fucking sucks because like people are now like looking for jobs they're, they're gonna have to relocate their family again you know like mm-hmm. it's just it, there are so many small stories that we're not necessarily hearing as a result of this and that that's just fucking brutal 
Yeah, it's like the least important thing to a successful quote-unquote corporation right now is the happiness or the security of their employees. That mm. is just absolutely bottom of the priority list. Like, that's the first thing to go. Um, and what's also interesting is in the fallout of this, um, the FLCIO, which is one of the United States' largest uh, labor organizations. They represent over like 12 million workers, um, you know, across 50 different labor unions. For the first time ever, after the Activision Blizzard layoff, they wrote a direct letter to video game developers, basically huh. calling, basically calling on them to unionize. Um, so this letter was actually published over at, uh, Kotaku. I might, I might link this in the show notes. Uh, so this is from Liz, uh, Schuler, who is, um, uh, the secretary treasurer for the FLCIO. And she is pretty scathing in this thing. Um, I'm going to quote her here. Uh, she says, quote, executives are always quick to brag about your work. Uh, she's talking to game developers. Uh, it's the talk of every industry corner office and boardroom. They pay tribute to the games that capture our imaginations and seem to defy economic gravity. They talk up the latest innovations in virtual reality and celebrate record smashing releases as your creations reach unparalleled new heights. My question is this, what have you gotten in return? While you're putting in crunch time, your bosses are ringing the opening bell on Wall Street. While you're creating some of the most groundbreaking products of our time, they're pocketing billions. While you're fighting through exhaustion and putting your soul into a game, Bobby Kotick and Andrew Wilson are toasting to, quote, their success. They get rich, they get notoriety, they get to be crowned visionaries and regarded as pioneers. What do you get? Um, and then she eventually goes on to say like, Hey, <laughs> you, you want to fix this organization? <laughs> um, and, and, uh, some sort of labor union. Uh, well, what did you think about, uh, Schuler's response there? Oof. I mean, yeah, as gaming is becoming so much more of a real mainstream industry, like, of course, this is the direction that we're going. It can't, it's how to describe it. It's, it's bubbling over. It's a, I think it's a quiet problem that has existed for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. And it's really coming to a head, especially with things like this happening, with all the big names going hyper-corporate and just game devs are working longer hours and harder and just being like, almost the soul is being taken from their work and being sold. And they're not, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely much more visible and people are much more vocal about like what is happening right now. And I think that's right. kind of where this sea change is is sort of stemming from. Do you see major change coming anytime soon? Or do you think this is going to have to continue? Uh, I don't know. Cause like if you, there was a, a survey going around at GDC last year around this time. Uh, oh my God. GDC is actually coming up. Um, but, um, there was a survey passed out and 4,000 game devs replied and half of them said, um, that they would like a union in the industry. Right. But out of those numbers, only I think 21% said they thought it would happen and 24% mm. said that, that that it wouldn't happen. So yep. I, I don't know. That they sounds seem, about right. <laughs> even the folks working in the industry like seem kind of split on, on whether it'll actually happen or not. I think yeah. if it does, it'll be super slow. Um, yeah. And we might start to see a couple organizations in like Europe and North America starting to push that. Um, but it, it it'll definitely take time. Yeah, I think part of the problem is what's really going to slow it down is still that stigma of, hey, you want to work in gaming? You got to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. You got to work for free. You got to work for less pay than you would make in a lot of other industries. You have to put in 60 hours a week and get paid for 40. I think a lot of that, hey, you want to work in gaming or not? That's going to slow this down significantly. 
because mm-hmm. if you put your foot down and say, hey, that's unreasonable, you're out. You know, we'll get someone who will find that reasonable. Yeah, there's um, I've actually written a lot about this in some of my academic work, but there is the the industry and not just video games, but like the tech industry and, and those types of industries, they really prey on young workers because yep, yep. you have people who are coming in who are quote unquote passionate and who just like their dream job is like, I want to make video games. I want to work at Apple. Mm-hmm. I want to work at Google or whatever it is. And they'll, they'll sacrifice to do that. You know, they'll work those long hours because they're quote unquote passionate, you know, and I, I talked to some devs and they're like, yeah, no one had to, had to ask me to do 16 hours. I just wanted to. Right. Absolutely. But that, but that start, starts to build. Right. And like, and, and, organizations and companies will take advantage of that and be like, Oh, you, Absolutely. you, you, uh, you want time off cause, cause you want to have kids. Well, this, this, you know, 20 year old is just out of, um, you know, their college and they'll fucking put in way more time for less pay and they won't ask me for time off for their kids. Um, yep. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's a reality where like those people are being taken advantage of, um, within the industry. And I think, you're going to start to see more pushback as people become educated about that stuff. But, but like mm-hmm. until people realize, Oh, there, there are other possibilities, you know, it, it, it's just going to be the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not going to happen unless we can all agree that it's on some basics because there's plenty of people who are like, I don't care. I will work 60 hours a week for minimum wage. And, you know, because that's not what matters to me. Mm-hmm. fair pay and reasonable hours and all these things i will just do it so of course that guy's going to get hired mm-hmm. and yeah it just sucks it's almost like a machine that it takes in young really eager individuals who just want to break into the gaming industry and it chews them up and it spits them out and mm-hmm. a lot of people are getting spit out right now and that sucks uh megan i think we're talking about capitalism <laughs> holy shit oh boy are you going are you going like communist fan on me right now going full marxist fan on you oh boy uh that's a inside joke about my instagram stories um <laughs> i mean look at sven if you look at sven in dota 2 he he gets big and red when he's when he's angry and i think he's angry about corporate america capitalism. and oh capitalism <laughs> so you just made this up i wasn't sure if it was like a joke that you had seen somewhere did you just is this your theory like this, this is, is my your theory. headcanon is yeah. that sven <laughs> sven is really? a marxist <laughs> oh my gosh and he turns red because yeah. he becomes like the marxist superhero yes <laughs> and he beats the gold out of the other capitalist heroes. <laughs> oh, oh jesus oh uh, boy follow me on instagram for more great stories like that um <laughs> anyways uh let's move into our last story and, and i want to talk to you about this megan because you and i have talked about this quite a bit at length on the show before um but that is of course about uh online uh toxicity and harassment um so the anti-defamation league uh just published a study that uh quote uncovers a surge in online harassment um and my editorializing is that that surprises no one. So, so basically what they found is, is that, uh, 37% of Americans have experienced, uh, severe online harassment, which includes sexual harassment, stalking, physical threats, and sustained harassment. And, uh, quote, approximately one third of online harassment appears to be a result of the care of the target's protected characteristics, such as race or ethnicity, religion, gender, identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Um, LGBTQ plus individuals, Muslims, Hispanics, and African-Americans face especially high rates of identity-based harassment. 
Um, and this goes on to talk about, uh, specifically, um, uh, they, they, they also find, uh, results are higher, uh, in terms of harassment, uh, on regular, for, for regular users of Twitch, Reddit, Facebook, and Discord. So uh, kind of an interesting study that they've published. Uh, it, I mean, looking at these numbers, for those of us that have been in this space for a while, it's kind of like, yeah, no shit. Um, but, but what did you think about this? these numbers that they just recently published about just how much harassment is happening happening specifically on these platforms? Like one number they had was 47% of Twitch users say they experience regular harassment on that platform, outpacing other popular gaming platforms like Discord and YouTube. I think, yeah, I mean, the first reaction is definitely no shit, but... I guess my question is, what would cause a surge? Like, what has changed that would create a surge now compared to five years ago? Right. Um, and my only theory there, and maybe you have more theories than me, is just that, again, as gaming becomes more mainstream, we're getting more people in, and it's almost like... <sighs> it's this weird thing where you put a bunch of... Uh, you pull a bunch of people together, and instead of connecting over a love of games, it's almost like we brought, like, the mainstream came too far in, and now it's just turned into, let's just, you know, like, devolve, basically, and just yell racist things at, uh, at each other instead of, hey, just talking about the game. Who cares what color you are? Who cares if mm-hmm. you're a guy or a girl? It just, I don't know. That's my only theory, because I can't think of anything else that has dramatically changed in the past five or so years. Um, in gaming, except that it has just gotten bigger. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some of their graphs and, and the numbers that they have associated with each of these platforms. And I kind of, as I'm looking at them, like some of the ones on the lower end are like Snapchat and Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Twitter is sort of in the middle. But but as you get further to the higher numbers, you, you hit start hitting things like uh, WhatsApp, Discord, Facebook, Reddit, Twitch. And when I think about that, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, on a lot of these other platforms, you might have smaller, tighter knit uh, social circles or, or, or what have you. But then as you get to platforms like Twitch and Reddit, it becomes much more public, right? Hmm. And, okay. and less moderated. Um, huh. Less like self moderation and less like moderation of specific channels and specific like subreddits or, or what have you, right? Or like specific Facebook groups. Um, so I'm wondering if that kind of plays into it. Uh, cause, cause again, like I think about like my experiences on Twitch and like, it's very different going to like a streamer who has like, I don't know, a couple thousand followers, you know, they regularly get like 30 people watching them. They have a couple of really good mods and like the community is really positive and bubbly and whatever else. And then you go to something, I don't know, like, uh, one of the, one of the big names on Twitch and they've got like a hundred thousand people watching and you're just like, what the fuck is happening in here? And it is just like, <laughs> it is just wild. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think like there's this huge spectrum of experience on the platform. Um, mm, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe, maybe that contributes to it. Yeah. Just, it's like, it's the wild west of you put a hundred thousand people in a chat. It's almost like, um, a comfort in numbers kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. people might feel a lot more open, just t- you know, dropping an N word in there and it's gone before anyone even saw it. Right. I don't know. And, and I think like, uh, you know, again, that, that kind of also speaks to like the moderation aspect in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, like your your team or you yourself as a broadcaster didn't take the time to be like, oh, no, I'm going to like crank up these auto moderation tools to right. filter the, the worst of the worst. Um, or maybe I don't address the, you know, the sexism happening in, in my channel, or I don't address, um, something that, that is vaguely racist or overtly racist or, or what have you. So 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a moderation thing or if it's like specifically a player behavior thing where like people are just fine hiding behind their anonymity in these massive crowds. Yeah. Um, like that obviously that's the plays thing, a factor. Like, you know, you can moderate as much as you want. And so you, you as a streamer or a YouTuber or a Reddit, uh, or a subreddit, et cetera, you can have rules and you can keep those people out. But that doesn't delete those people from existing. They're going to go somewhere else. So it's a question of, do you blame the moderation and the creators and the platforms? Or do you, I mean, do you blame the people who are actually doing it? So I guess that's where my mind goes is like, mm-hmm. why are people so angry? Like, why is it a pastime for some people to go on any of these platforms and be talking about any of these things in a hateful way? That's right. more so my question. I think the platform is just, you know, it's sure you can control that with moderation, but it does not delete the problem. Yeah. And, and this is like something that really bugs me about a lot of platforms like this and specifically, well, platforms, platform creators and the content creators on those platforms is that there are very few systems in place that correct uh, behavior that you don't want to see. Sure. Um, and th- there's very little ways to like re- rehabilitate that behavior. Right. Um, this is something that I've also mm-hmm. kind of written about academically and I railed against uh, Valve and Dota 2 is that like you have a lot of systems in place to uh, report the behavior you don't want to see, but you don't have systems in place that encourage the behavior that you do want to see. Right. Um, so, you know, less like oh, I'm going to punish you for saying something racist in game and, and more, hey – I want to encourage you to be a good teammate or I want to encourage you to be a good viewer and be a part of this community and be constructive or whatever else. And like, I, I want to see more systems like that. And I, and I'm wondering if, if that would even be able to curb this at all or fix this at all, or if it's just at a point right. where it's like, no, we're too far gone. Humans are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm trying to think like in Dota 2, you have like a record number of commands. Like, are you still at more commands than actual games played? Oh, you know it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you, let's say for every 500 commends you got, you got a really awesome new skin in Dota 2, would that at all change your behavior as a good player and a, a well-mannered player? Is that going to make you any better or any worse than you already are? I I would imagine not. Well, I I don't think that would like incentivize me to be right. a more well. I don't know. Like it might be like I might just try harder. Like you know, be like <laughs> oh, be more communicative and be more positive and like sure. I already try and do that because I know how easy it is to tilt a team. But right, I'm wondering if the if the folks who don't do that would mm-hmm. adopt those behaviors because they're like oh yeah every 250 commands. Uh, that I get from people who aren't on my friends list, so I can't easily farm it. Right. Um, every 250, 500 commands, I get a really cool thing. I don't know. Like, would that be enough to like adjust my shitty toxic behavior? Would it? Because I, <laughs> I don't think so. I I don't think so. And I also think what it would just turn into is not, hey, I'm just going to try to be a better teammate because I want to accomplish this goal. I think yeah. it would turn into commend for commend. Commend for like, commend. <laughs> you know, just commend me. You would just it would just turn into a commend farming yeah. situation, and it has nothing to do with behavior. 
But I, I'm, I'm sure there's a way, like there are people smarter than us who work on those types of systems. I'm sure there's a way to do it so that it can't be, well, I say can't be abused, but like there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way right. that you can you can create some sort of system that encourages that that player behavior that you want to see that mm-hmm. isn't easily exploited or abused. And I don't know right. what the answer to that is. Um, you know, maybe some sort of secret Santa thing where like, <laughs> you you give a teammate a random th- thumbs up that they never see, mm-hmm. but like on the back end, you know they're, they're doing math and they're just like, oh, you got five of those, so here's a here's a cosmetic. Right, you have better drop rates or whatever. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing: didn't Dota just implement like a what's it called? It's a behavior score or something. Yes. You know, we have like so that score uh, had had been um uh hidden for for the entirety of Dota's right. lifespan lifespan um but now they're surfacing that score but i was looking at it and I'm like there's nothing i can do with this like it's it's on my profile i got a little happy i got a little ha- happy right. face next to my number see i thought it played into something i don't think so i, I could be it was wrong something about like that. if you have a you know we we both have very high scores i thought it was something like it's going to pair us with like minded folk because that to me is mm. the way to solve things is like hey like you know you want to be a salty sailor and like ruin games you get to play with other salty sailors you're all right. going to be miserable together in like <laughs> the 4k salty sailor league like <laughs> you know it's like it it works you guys want to be angry cool play together it's almost like pairing people up based on their skill but in this case we're also factoring in their salt level you know? <laughs> yeah i i think my only counter to that would be it it doesn't correct that behavior, right? It's it's, no. it's it just it just allows it to fester. It puts in, them in a box together. Yeah, it puts them in yeah. a box and it, it like quote it like tries to ignore the problem. Like that's my right. my problem with something like low priority right now. Like Dota yeah. has has that system. I think some other games have a system of like low priority. Like mm-hmm. you're shitty. You've gotten a lot of reports. You're going to low priority, right. um, where you get to fester with all the other players who do the same shit but like you're not teaching those people to be better or to like reform their behavior just like Mm. okay do what you have to to skirt being banned into low priority serve your time man yeah 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 yeah. it's there's there's no uh counter to recidivism right like there's there's Mm. no way to be like okay you got sent here for a reason so so make your behavior better you know right and and i don't know i don't know what that answer is (sighs) Yeah, and I think if we knew the answer, then we would see it somewhere. Well, we'd be making so much money, Megan, if we oh. knew the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying um, to think, are there any games that you can think of that do it really well? And, like, what ideas can we steal from them? I, from, from what I've heard, like, Overwatch has gotten better. Like, you can you can commend people, I think, for specific right. things that they brought to a team. Like, good leadership or, or uh, mm. call-outs or, or this and that. Uh, but I, but again, I don't know how that rewards the player. Right. Like I've seen the commend. You build up like a little bar as you're playing of commends or something. But yeah, I don't know what it actually. And maybe it's not even that it's getting you something. Maybe it's just that very positive outlook and focus. Think about, you know, hey, you were a good leader and you were a good communicator. It's just like everything that's communicated is very positive. So maybe mm-hmm. it just puts you in that happier mindset and of thinking of people in that way instead of negatively just report, report, report. Exactly. Because because like you you have that system there to be like, oh, I'm I'm thinking about this differently instead of like right. you, you you said it perfectly. Um so so I'm thinking about like, oh, who was actually a good leader on my team? Yeah. Instead so it's, of being, it's positive reinforcement instead yeah. of negative. Yeah. So I, I would love to see more like that. Um okay. 
I don't know how a platform like Twitch does it, but <laughs> it, it doesn't. That's the yeah. answer. Jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. Anyways, the, the moral of the story is we don't have all the answers here on shelf <laughs> games. Um. Damn. But anyways, Megan, I think that was that was a lot of news to sort of chew through. Um, Oof, yeah. But um, maybe let's talk about some. Uh, recommendations outside of the world of games before we wrap up here. Uh, have you have you been watching or reading anything that's been exciting lately? Le- lately, dude, I am watching Breaking Bad for the first time. What? Which I know I'm the only person in the entire world who has never seen Breaking Bad <laughs> until uh-huh. now. Yeah, and it's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like it was not oversold even a little. I would even say it was undersold. Mm-hmm. I think it's been recommended to me about a hundred times over the course of my life, and I just never watched it. Wow. And it's amazing. I'm screaming at the TV through <laughs> entire episodes. I'm just yelling at the TV. So if if for some reason you have also not seen Breaking Bad, I'd highly recommend it. Just catch like the first episode, and you mm-hmm. just, you'll be hooked. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I actually am thinking about revisiting that show, so I might have to do that since you brought it up. Uh, but something that I've been watching a lot of, and I think we've actually talked about this on the show before, but, um, the TV series, the expanse is fucking incredible. Um, it is sort of like a, I don't want to say like near future. Cause we're at a point where we have colonies on Mars and in like the, the asteroid belts, uh, a lot of geopolitics between those factions and, and the factions on earth. And, uh, what's happening there and, you know, what, you know, what, what is going to bring the galaxy to the brink of war? And, uh, there, there's these weird, like, uh, new sort of extraterrestrial things that are, that are changing things in, in, in the, in the galaxy and just a lot of really, really cool storytelling, great character work. Um, if, if people haven't checked out the expanse there, there's three seasons out. This, this latest season was, was really good. Um, and by the season, like quite literally in the last moments of the season finale, my jaw dropped and I was just like, oh no, they didn't. Really? Um, Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a really cool fucking show and people should definitely check it out if they haven't already. But yeah, I think that's it for us this week, Megan. So if people want to discuss the show with us, if they want to weigh in on the news, a good place to do that is the Shelf Games Discord server. You can just hop into the podcast discussion channel there. Uh, or you can send us email, shelvgames at gmail.com. And of course, find us wherever you get your podcasts, shelvgames.com slash podcast or uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play uh, or Stitcher. Um, follow us on Twitter at Shelf Games. I'm at John underscore tab. And of course, we're also on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Shelf Games there, uh, or find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shelf Games, um, where I play a lot of Siege and some Magic and am questing to find my perfect chill out game. Uh, music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, Megan, where can people find you on the internet and the work that you're doing? Uh, you know what? I just remembered. I changed my Twitter uh, account name recently. What? I Silvari Vordre is too much. It's too hard <laughs> to type. It's too hard to spell. I am now straight up Megan underscore Thaler. It's just my name. Please don't stalk me. Wow. Uh, Megan underscore Thaler on Twitter. I figured, screw it. My name's out there anyway. If you Googled mm. Silvari, you find my name. So ah. I've just leaned into it. Uh yeah. What about what about stuff that you're doing at Steel Series? Is there anything you want to plug uh for yourself or the company? Well, as you know, I'm not working too hard on like giveaways and promotions and sales anymore, so I won't plug that. But if you're ever reading, well, 
not right now, but in the future, if you're reading some Steel Series blogs, um, package, copy, really anything you're reading that we as Steel Series have published, and you notice a typo, freaking send me a direct message immediately. <laughs> it's it is important to me <laughs> to uh, to get that kind of stuff right. So that's uh, if there's a typo, I'm fired basically. <laughs> So let me know so I can fix it before someone else notices. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I guess if people ever need any sort of peripheral for their, their video game needs, check out Steel Series. Um, and you, you know what? That that opinion has been bought and paid for. <laughs> you want to talk about collusion in video games? Oh, my God. Oh, sh- I, I got to go. Holy God. <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, bye. bye. <laughs> but seriously, I do have some Arctis 7s, and I, I, I really enjoy them. I've been using them for, for a couple years now. Um, anyways, that's it. Megan, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Love our conversations. Hell yeah. Um, and thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us uh, again for another episode. Uh, our schedule is a little bit intermittent, as I try and graduate university uh, but we will see you on the next one and until then go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're gonna find Dubstep. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I don't know what your song is, dude. I just I, I missed the that. old song, and I'm pretty mad <laughs> about that. <laughs>